That's right, his love never fails. And you guys remember what the series is that we've been talking about? Love is. That's right. You can, um, I totally failed to put the, uh, the slide up there because I've been, as you, as you heard, I've, I've been pretty miserable. <laughs> I know, I know, I, I know. If you want, you can jump in the email and put it up there yourself, Josh. (laughs) But the series is Love Is. We're talking about love, right? And there's different types of love. We learned about that last week, right? What was the love we were hearing about last week? You guys remember? Agape love. And what kind of love is that? Not that one. I mean, you, you love them this way, too. But we're supposed to love everybody this way. Not just friends and family. Obviously, we're supposed to love our friends and family that way. But that's, that's philia, or phileo. I always think of filet mignon. It's, you really love your family because you, you give them that, right? <laughs> but phileo, or philia, is a brotherly kind of love. But that's not the one. We, we did hear about that. But agape love is a unconditional kind of love. It's a willful choice. It is a love that is the strongest love. It's, it's the, at least that's, that's what's argued by a lot of people. It's a very deep love, a love that loves somebody without expecting anything back, right? And that's, that's a tough kind of love to give, right? That's a difficult kind of love. Today we're going to talk about a different kind of love. And you guys have probably experienced this love. Hopefully not too much today. But love is tough is the way I'm titling this week. Okay? Who's ever heard of tough love? Anybody? Who's ever experienced tough love? Anybody? (laughs) Who's experienced tough love today? Anyone? You don't have to raise your hand. (laughs) Well, love can be painful at times, right? It can, it can hurt. And, and tough love isn't fun to experience, but it's highly beneficial to our well-being. I mean, there's a reason why there's the word love paired with that word, right? That or else it would just be tough. You don't want that. Yes. Maybe. We'll, we'll find out. I mean, do you think love is supposed to be weak? Tough is the opposite of it, isn't it? Right? Hmm. We'll see. So, who's experienced tough love recently? Anyone? Let me put it this way. Who's had to experience intense practice for a sport? Anyone? That was put on them by a coach, maybe because of players being lazy. <laughs> and then the whole team had to Suffer for it. You guys ever had to deal with that? That's a little bit of tough love. Maybe you were the one that caused your team to suffer. (laughs) And you really should have been the one feeling the tough love, right? Who's had their phone taken away by a parent? Who's been grounded before for maybe a bad grade? Maybe because you threw something at your sister or your brother? (laughs) Maybe because you said something you shouldn't have back to your parents, anyone? Am I hitting a little close to the mark? (laughs) 
when your parents did this to you, when they disciplined you guys, when they put punishment on you, when they showed you a little bit of tough love, did you think to yourself, Man, my parents hate me. They don't love me. Did you guys think that? I hope not. <laughs> you, you maybe thought, you guys are the worst. I hate your guts. I don't love you. But it's, it's funny. We don't, we don't ever think to ourselves, though, my parents don't love me. Because, really, you know that they do, right? The punishment and the discipline isn't a response of their unloveness towards you, right? It's actually, in reality, a result of their love for you. They, they love you, and so they're wanting what's best for you, and so they're putting boundaries and things in place to keep you on the right track, to keep you doing the right thing, and sometimes keeping you doing the right thing means having some punishment for you to know that there's consequences when you do the wrong thing, right? And life has a way of dishing out those consequences in and of itself. But I looked up the definition for tough love from Merriam-Webster because I thought it was, uh, I like looking up definitions and I like to see what the specifics are and what they say. And it says, love or affectionate concern as expressed in a stern or unsentimental manner, as through discipline, especially to promote responsible behavior. Would you guys say that's a good definition of tough love? Let me read it again. Love or affectionate concern expressed in a stern or unsentimental manner, meaning they're not really showing any sentiment or affection towards you, it's not swaying what they do to allow you to manipulate them and say, okay, never mind, I won't do the punishment. Okay? So that's what it means by unsentimental manner. As through discipline, especially to promote responsible behavior. So what is the purpose of tough love? Based off of that, the last part says, for the use of responsible what? Behavior. That's the purpose of it. It's to promote responsible behavior. Tough love is all about discipline. That's what it's all about. So what do you guys think love is tough is all going to be about? What do you think my sermon is all about today? Discipline. You guys really want to hear that, don't you? This is a real fun sermon, guys. But really, I mean, we need to hear it, right? I need to hear it just as much as you guys. You guys think I ever get disciplined? God disciplines all of us. Just know that. I don't have parents that necessarily dish out discipline on me anymore. But God disciplines me. And as we're going to get into, there is a sense of self-discipline that we all are supposed to have. That we're supposed to have a sense of discipline instilled in us that grows and grows the more that we grow in our faith and the more that we mature, our discipline gets stronger, right? You guys are supposed to be growing your habits of doing chores and stuff, right? Do you think that's just, just for nothing? No. Imagine if your parents never disciplined you to take care of yourself and to take care of your house. Would you guys do that when you move out? You guys think you'd take care of your room? You guys think you'd take care of your own hygiene if somebody didn't discipline you in doing that? 
Do you think that would happen? No. You move out of the house and you'd have like only half of your teeth still. <laughs> because you wouldn't be taking care of yourself. And then by the time you reach age 30, you wouldn't have any teeth <laughs> because you didn't take care of yourself. You'd never shower. You'd never have a date, dudes, because you never shower. <laughs> Ladies, I'll, I'll skip that one. <laughs> There's, there's reason for discipline, right? There's things that are put in our life for a reason, and it's not for your necessary benefit now, necessarily. It's for your benefit later on. It reaps a fruit of reward later. And that's what's hard about discipline, right? When you guys go to the gym, who here, who here likes to go to the gym? Anybody? A few of you? When you first started going to the gym... It was probably tough, right? It was hard. It was difficult. And you had to discipline yourself to make it a regular habit of something that you do, right? And eventually, you got pretty good at it. And it became a part of your routine, and it wasn't so painful anymore. Partially, I would argue, because you were reaping some of the benefits of it now. If there was no benefit to going to the gym, would you guys do it? Would you guys go to the gym if there was no reward for it? If it didn't increase your strength, if it didn't increase anything for you? Would you guys do it? I mean, it would be unnecessary. There would be no reason for it, right? If there was no reason to be disciplined in eating healthy, you guys would probably be able to eat whatever you want and not even care about it, right? Your parents wouldn't have specifics on what you're supposed to eat. They wouldn't say, no, not until dinner, right? Because there'd be no reason for it. But discipline has a way of reaping a reward later, which is why it can be tough. It's why it can be difficult. But it's to promote responsible behavior. It's all to make us better. Who doesn't want to be better, right? Anyone want to be better in this room? When you think of the word discipline, what do you think of? What comes to mind? What do you guys think of? Sit, sitting in a jail cell, okay. Man, she's going into great detail. You haven't experienced this, have you? I hope not. You like to think of the disciples, okay. They became disciplined, okay. Right, I mean, that's true. Anyone else? You think of crying? Because when we discipline our kids, that often uh, results in, <laughs> that's often what follows, is crying. We discipline our children, and they cry. Sometimes they cry before we even discipline them, because they know it's coming. <laughs> All I got to do is look at them and start walking towards them, and then they start running. Because they know it's on the way. And as... Much as they try, they can never get away from me because our house isn't that big. <laughs> but discipline, it's a, it's a word that actually, it, it comes from Latin root, and, and I'll get into that in a minute, but discipline, it's, it's often connected with punishment. Who here thought of punishment when they heard the word discipline? You guys are like, ugh, punishment, ugh, I hate that. I mean, you think of pain, maybe, if you're thinking about in respect to athletics. 
being disciplined in your sport takes some pain going through practice, right? But my immediate thought is often gone to when I was grounded as a kid. And I think of being disciplined. And I'm like, gosh, I hated that. I hated being grounded. And I'll let you guys know, back in the day when Caitlin and I were being grounded for stuff, there was no Wi-Fi. It wasn't like I could just bust my phone out in my room and waste my time away because my parents made me go to my room. No, if you went to your room, it sucked because there was nothing there. There was nothing for you to do. There was no computer in there. It was lame. I mean... <laughs> I wasn't really thinking about reading the Bible then. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not going to argue that. <laughs> you get your, your phone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But there's, there's different forms of punishment now because the connections you guys have are different. For us, I mean, they, they did different stuff. But it was, it sucked. I mean, I, I got disciplined when I was a kid. I got grounded. It, it was lame to be stuck at home, not able to do anything. I wasn't able to jump online and play games with people all from my house if I was grounded, like you guys can today. I mean, hanging out with friends meant going somewhere and hanging out with friends. That's right, doing land parties, connecting systems. It was awesome. <laughs> like, we, oh yeah. No, I just invite my friends over and we switch controllers. <laughs> but I hated being grounded. It sucked. And as far as computers go, there was one computer for the entire house. It was just in the... I couldn't just sneak on the thing because it was usually in the middle of the house. <laughs> so I was grounded, and that usually was included in it. But I looked up the definition for discipline from Merriam-Webster as well, and there were two definitions that came up for the verb form. Now, if you guys remember what a verb is, right? You're in school. You should know what a verb is. Verb is an action, right? So it means the, the action of causing discipline to somebody, right? To discipline somebody means to punish or penalize for the sake of enforcing obedience and perfecting moral character. Now, the first part it makes it kind of sound painful and like almost wrong and dictatorish, right? Penalize for the sake of enforcing obedience? That sounds terrible. But if you pair it with the next part, it's and perfecting moral character. It's for your benefit. It's to make you better. If you need to be obedient, it's not because someone's forcing obedience on you for something that isn't beneficial, that isn't good for you. It means that your moral character is flawed right now, and you need to get it perfected, right? So let me read that again. To punish or penalize for the sake of enforcing obedience and perfecting moral character. The next one. To train or develop by instruction and exercise, especially in self-control. Do you guys know self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit? Because it is. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit, and it's, it's important. It's, it's one that I think we often 
we often can forget because we think, oh, self-control. That's, that's just a good thing to have, but I mean, it's really hard to have self-control when I want that candy bar. <laughs> and my parents said no, but I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait to bust open the cookies in the cupboard that I know are there, even though I know there's dinner in like 20 minutes, right? The self-control is something that's important, and self-control is an important trait to have for later in life, too, for more than just rejecting cookies. <laughs> but it's to train and develop by instruction and exercise. So it's for your benefit. Scripture that I have, and you can, you can type this up there, Andy. It's uh, Proverbs 3, verse 11 through 12. And this is supposed to be the scripture that was on the graphic that Josh worked so tirelessly on. I'm so sorry, Josh. <laughs> so it says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Despise meaning don't reject it, don't, don't hate it, don't look down upon it. Embrace it. Appreciate it. Because it's good for you. And not only that, it means that God loves you. Because if you read what it says later, it says the Lord disciplines those he what? He loves. So if you guys are disciplined by the Lord, what does that mean? It means he loves you, Right? And that's a good thing. You don't want to resent, you don't want to despise his discipline because then you would be despising his love. You wouldn't want to do that. It should be a comforting thing. When you guys are being disciplined, go read the scripture. It, it should comfort you in letting you know that God loves you. He's looking out for your well-being. He's growing you. He's wanting to perfect your moral character and that should be something we all want, right? The word discipline comes from a Latin word, like I said earlier, which is disciplina, which means instruction and training. Interestingly enough, it doesn't mean punishment or pain. It means instruction and training. That's what discipline is all about. And instruction and training is for what? It's to make you better, right? To make us better people. It's to grow you. That's what tough love is all about. It's to grow you. It's to increase your moral character. It's to better you as people. Let's take it one step further. And the Latin word that is for that one, disciplina, comes from a root word, Dissery, which means to learn. In its essence, discipline is for us to grow and become better. Better disciples. Even the word disciple comes from a Latin word. Did you guys know that? Pretty much everything comes from a Latin word nowadays, right? <laughs> everything in English comes from somewhere in Latin or Greek, one of the two. And so the Latin word is discipulus, which means student. And what does a student do? They learn, right? At least that's what you guys should be doing, right? Who here is learning in school? I won't ask who's not learning because I don't want to hear that one. <laughs> but that's, that's 
what it means. Discipulus means student. So really, if you're a disciple, you're a student of Christ. You're meant to be learning underneath the teachings of Jesus, under his ways. It's a follower of Jesus, and I mean, people that follow Jesus are his students, right? They're people that are learning from him. They're not his teachers, right? <laughs> so the Bible has a decent amount to say about, or about discipline. It has a decent amount to say about disciples, too. <laughs> but about discipline, and we already read one of them in Proverbs 3, which the next passage I have for you, if you want to pull this one up, it's uh, Hebrews 12, and we'll start with verse 4 through 6. And this one here actually quotes this proverb. I probably share a proverb in every single one of my sermons. Keep an eye out for them. Test me on that, because I try to at least. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. It just happens. But let's read this one, huh? So it says, in your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. A.K.A. Jesus has. So you haven't struggled so much with sin that you've died for us. So take a lesson from Jesus. It says, have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he, what? Loves, as he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Well, as we read in, in Proverbs, it says, as a father and he delights. And it chastens means corrects, or brings correction upon for the sake of growing somebody, such as discipline. So, we see that uh, Hebrews has something to say about it. And if we go on even further, in verse 7 through 10, if you want to pull that one up that's following it, Andy. So here, the, the writer of Hebrews is, is telling the people... If, if you guys are enduring hardship that's correction on you, don't be discouraged by it as if God doesn't love you or he doesn't think the best of you and he doesn't want the best of you. He's doing it because he wants the best for you, which can be tough, right? But our parents, they discipline us because they want us to do the right thing and they want the best thing for us, right? So it says, endure hardship as discipline. And I'll read it. I don't know if it's the exact translation I have. It looks like it is. But endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while and they thought, as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. 
God disciplines us for our good, right? That's what that says. When you are disciplined or corrected by God, it's because he loves you guys. And I mean, I've said that already, and I'm going to keep hammering that home. (laughs) Don't forget that. (laughs) Don't forget it. I mean, in the same way you guys know that your parents love you when they discipline you. In the same way with God. You know that he loves you. If you don't, read this scripture. Let it encourage you guys. Because he loves you. He disciplines us for our good. It's never, it's never a discipline that he puts upon us to punish us, to squash us, to flex his muscles and show how awesome he is and strong he is compared to us and that we're nothing compared to him. That's not what the discipline's for. <laughs> if it was for that, I mean, he wouldn't even have to discipline us. He'd just squash us. <laughs> but it's for our good. That's, that's what the discipline's put there for. God disciplines us for our good. It's never to correct us for a sense of punishment and to get out his anger on us. And I want to I make this dis- distinction. It says here earlier, for what children is not disciplined by their father? I would think of an example. If I had somebody I was watching, a, a, a kid of somebody else that we know, and they needed to be disciplined. I mean, I'm not going to discipline them myself. Because why? They're not my child, right? They're not my son or my daughter. And that's what it's talking about here, is that if you weren't being disciplined by God, you, you wouldn't be his child, right? But if you are, then don't worry about it. That means you're a son of God, and that's a good thing. And then on the other side, though, you guys may have not endured very good discipline from your parents. Now, I'm just stating a fact. There's, there's a good statistical chance that somebody in here did not get good discipline from their parents. They were not disciplined. They were possibly abused. The next scripture I have that you can pull up is in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 5. I'm reading out of the NIV, Andy. I don't know if you've been putting that up. I think you have. But, but this one here, it says, Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. And I read this scripture and I thought, man, that's great. And then I thought from a different perspective, I'm like, well, what if somebody's been disciplined by their parents and it wasn't in a good way? What if the way that they saw discipline was punishment from their drunk parent beating them up for doing something wrong? Maybe accidentally leaving a dirty dish in the sink or something. Because that stuff happens, guys. There's people out there where they, they lash out in anger. And their discipline that they call on their kids is really just abuse. It's not, it's not discipline at all. And so somebody like that reading the scripture, they'd see this and go, Oh, great. God's going to discipline me like my parents? That sucks. I don't want that. But guys... What scripture did we read? It says that God disciplines us for what? It's for our good. It's for our benefit. And he does it because he loves us. And if we remember last week that God is love, and therefore love is patient, love is kind, it's not easily angered. You compare that with God saying God is patient, God is kind, God isn't easily angered. 
God's not going to discipline you like that. That's not the kind of discipline he's going to put out. So I want to make that distinction because I don't know if anyone here has been has that kind of issue that they deal with or somebody that they know. The true discipline is in love and it's for the benefit of the one receiving it, not for the one giving it. I want to mention that again. True discipline is done in love and it's for your benefit who's receiving it, not for the benefit of those that are giving it. Me disciplining my kids isn't for my benefit. <laughs> I, I, I don't necessarily need my kids to behave <laughs> in and of the sense that I, I need it for my own livelihood. I mean, yes, it would make me much happier. <laughs> it would take a lot of stress off my life if they would behave. But it's, it's for their benefit more so than mine. It's, it's for theirs, right? It's for my benefit with the relationship with my kids more than anything. But it's, it's there for their benefit. In the same way for you guys. Having discipline on your life, whether it's for sports, right? You're being disciplined in a sport to do the right thing, to work hard so you can do well at the next game. It's for your benefit, right? It's also for the coach's benefit, obviously, so that they can win the game, too. <laughs> they want that. They want to rejoice with you guys. But they're getting paid for it. <laughs> you guys aren't the one getting paid. They want you to get better and better so you can go on and move move forward and go on to the next team, the next better, better team. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. This is the next scripture. Hebrews 12, verse 11, I think. I think it's just 11. I believe so. Hebrews 12, verse 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. Who can say amen to that one? <laughs> no discipline seems pleasant at the time, because it's not. <laughs> it's not pleasant. But painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness. And peace for those who have been what? Trained by it. So if you guys want to receive the benefits of discipline, what do you need to do? You need to let it happen. You need to let it train you. And not just let it happen to you, but yield to its instruction. You need to allow yourself to yield to what it wants. The discipline. You can... Choose to just stand firm and continue doing what you're doing and say, forget it, I'm not listening to this. I'll just deal with the punishment and do what I want again. Is that going to change anything, though? Are you going to receive any benefit from the discipline? Probably not, right? It's just going to end up being more and more pain on you because you're going to have more and more of the punishment type of discipline dished out on you instead of the Discipline that actually changes your character. When it comes to godly discipline, the choice is always ours on if we are going to adhere to the instruction and correction. It's up to us on if we are going to adhere to it. It's up to us on if we are going to yield to God's discipline and allow him to teach us something. Discipline's painful, right? It's not fun. It can hurt. 
It can seem like a waste of time when you're going through it. But it's not. It's not a waste of time. What examples can you guys think of that you've been disciplined in that you look back at the past and you're like, man, it, it sucked when I was going through it, but now, now it's actually made a difference. I mean, it, it makes a difference in the end. You've got to stick it out. We usually don't want to wait. We don't, want, we, we don't like the pain and we don't want to endure through it. But when you do endure through it, when you stick it out, it's worth it. Who wants to get good grades in school? Anybody? I hope everyone. <laughs> Who wants to do well in, in their sports? Who here is in sports? Anybody? Raise your hand. Who wants to do well in their games? Who wants to do well in their meets? Anybody? You guys, you guys want to perform well, right? So in order to get there, what do you need? You need discipline, right? You need to be disciplined people. You need to be disciplined in working hard, disciplined in going to practice, disciplined in working out, disciplined in eating right, right? These are types of things that you need to have in order to perform well. If you want to do well in school, what do you need to do? You need to be disciplined in what? Doing your homework, right? You need to be disciplined in what? Going to class. Not playing hooky and making out with your girlfriend. <laughs> you, guys need, you guys need to be disciplined, right? You need to make sure that you're studying for tests that come up, right? Instead of just blowing them off, playing video games, talking to your girlfriends, right? You guys, there's, there's so many distractions in this world, right? There's so many things that can pull us away. And if you guys want to be disciplined in, in getting good grades, it, it takes work, right? It takes effort. It takes, it takes action. We've got to do something, right? You need to have discipline. Whoever heard of a professional athlete who never went to practice? They wouldn't be a pro anymore, right? They'd be fired. Real? <laughs> who? Antonio Brown. You guys, it, it wouldn't make any sense, right? Professional athletes, they go to practice. And if they don't go to practice, they, they're going to go downhill, right? They need to go to practice because, for one, if everyone else is going to practice and they're not, they're going to get crushed, right? They're not going to be able to. They're not going to be able to keep up. Professional athletes know a lot about their sport, and did they get there by just do, being awesome? Yeah. <laughs> no. How did they get to be awesome? By working hard, right? They had to work for it. It required discipline. And then yielding to it was to their benefit later on, right? That is a prime example of it doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen instantly. It's not something that when you choose to be disciplined, it's like, yes, I'm going to do this, and then tomorrow I'm going to be awesome. No, it takes time. And to get to somewhere... To get to the goal that you want, 
you need to have discipline. And the bigger the goals, the more disciplined you got to be, right? If you guys want to have awesome faith, same thing applies. If you guys want to be somebody who has tremendous faith, if you guys want to be somebody who follows after God, does awesome things for him, changes the world for, for the sake of the kingdom of Christ, you got to be disciplined people. You're not going to be able to do that without ever reading your Bible. I'm just going to be honest with that one. If you never touch the thing, it's going to be a problem there. If you want to change the world and do awesome things for God, and you're not disciplined in your faith in other areas, if you're not someone who prays, if you're not somebody who's firm on your faith, and, I mean, sharing it with other people, to be honest, that's important too then how can you expect yourself to ever get to that goal, right? How can you expect yourself to ever really be a, a person of faith that you're wanting to be? And if you don't want to be that, then ask yourself why. The next scripture I have is Proverbs 12.1. This one it's one of my favorites, and it's, uh, it's a pretty funny one. It's a pretty intense one, too. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but who hates correction is stupid. Look to your partner and say, don't be stupid. John, don't be stupid. <laughs> whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. Don't be stupid, Sam. <laughs> good, that's good. But it's important, right? If you guys want to love knowledge... What do you need to love? Discipline. You can't love knowing stuff without doing the discipline to get to know the stuff, right? You think Michelle, who was a youth pastor before me, on her way to be a doctor, you think she could get to know all the stuff it takes to be a doctor without being disciplined in her practice? Without being disciplined at being a doctor, at studying, as often as she wants to hang out with people? (laughs) But it's, it's important, right? In order to, to get to that place of wanting to know things, which we live in a culture that's centered around knowledge, right? We live in an information age. You guys can look up anything on your phone. Information is at the palm of your hand. You can Google anything you want, any question, and get an answer for it. That didn't exist when I was a kid. <laughs> We would have to go on a computer in order to do it. But, it, we, I mean, we didn't have it just right on our phone, and we can do it whenever we wanted. We can fact-check people right on the spot. No, that's not true. Here, let me show you. You're wrong. Who here has ever done that? Anybody? <laughs> I've done it. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty terrible at it. And <laughs> my, my siblings are all notorious for it. We, we get in pretty interesting conversations <laughs> because we have to fact-check to everybody. But if you want to be a knowledgeable person, you need to love discipline, right? Who here loves discipline? Anybody? You guys are starting to now, right? You're like, hmm, maybe I should. Might be a good thing, right? Learn to love it, guys. If you don't love it now, learn to love it. But most importantly, don't hate it, because then what? Then you're stupid. 
<laughs> you don't want to be stupid, right? Do you guys know that the word stupid was in the Bible? Right there. <laughs> stupid. Boom. <laughs> I have been waiting to say that one. What? Stupid. <laughs> I don't know. There's other translations that say it is stupid to hate correction. I personally like this one. Because <laughs> it's, call, it's calling people stupid. But do it again. Look to the person next to you and say, don't be stupid. It's tough to want to love correction, right? I would argue that the time you guys are in right now is probably the hardest time to love correction, other than maybe Luella. <laughs> she's, she's in a pretty tough time right now, too. But as teenagers, it's tough. Who here likes somebody telling them what to do? Who here likes somebody telling them they're wrong? You did that wrong. You messed up. Don't do that. I hated being told when I was wrong. I hated being told when I did something wrong, and I, I hated it. But guys, I was stupid. stupid. I was stupid. I hated correction. Having or showing a great lack of intelligence or common sense. <laughs> right? I mean, common sense is you want to love correction because then what? If you didn't if you didn't allow correction in your life, would you ever get any better? Right? Guys, imagine this. You guys take a test. You fail the thing. Hard. Hard F on the thing. And your teacher comes to you, and they want to talk to you about it. And they want to say, hey, this is what you did wrong. And they want to go over the test with you so you can do better. And do a retake where you're like, screw that. Just give me the test. I'll do it again. And then you take the thing again without having any correction on you, not hearing anything that you did wrong. I mean, you didn't even get to see the answers that you got wrong. And you just take the thing again. You guys think it's going to change anything? No, right? How often do we do that with life, though? We do that a lot. Life has a way of testing us constantly. God tests us constantly. Things are thrown at us. We, we get across some tests. And we, we have a choice of whether we're going to adhere to the correction, whether we're going to abide by it, whether we're going to lean into it, yield to it, or whether we're going to say, forget it, I'm just going to try it again on my own and muscle through it. And then you fail again. <laughs> Because you didn't learn anything, because you didn't allow the correction to change you. Guys, correction is for our benefit, right? Discipline is for our benefit. It's for our good. That's why God does it. That's why it's there for us, right? Don't take a test and then try to take it all over again without learning the mistakes, right? The last scripture I have is 2 Timothy 1.7. And this is a really good one. You guys have probably heard of this one before. There's different translations for it. But the one I'm specifically reading, NIV, I really like how it says it. It says discipline in it. It says, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, 
but gives us power, love, and what? Self-discipline. It gives us self-discipline. What does that mean? You're disciplining yourself, right? And that's a good thing, right? You're able to learn what you need to do and put boundaries in your life to keep you on that track, right? Putting yourself in a position to be able to be successful. Think of it this way. If you know that something's going to distract you from studying for a test, what would self-discipline do? It would keep those distractions away, right? Until you study for the thing, and then you can open up those distractions all you want. Because now you don't have to study anymore. You already did it, right? Self-discipline is a good thing, and it's clearly from this scripture, it's God-given, right? Think about that. For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Self-discipline is something that's God-given to you, but it's your choice whether you're going to walk in it. It's your choice whether you're going to live it out, whether you're going to use it. You guys can choose whether you're going to use that spirit or not. It's up to you whether you're going to do it. So what are you guys going to do? Are you guys going to choose to live with it? Are you guys going to choose to suppress it? Put it away? Choose to to give in to temptation and and distraction and and choosing not to be disciplined? Because I would argue there's two ways you're going to be disciplined. You're either going to be disciplined on your own with self-discipline, or there's an outside source that's going to have to discipline you. (laughs) Right? Which one would you guys rather have? Self-discipline, right? Because usually the outside source is going to have some form of pain with it, right? Some type of punishment. But if you guys want to avoid that, the best way is to try to develop that self-discipline. Allow it to mature you and grow you in your character, right? Amen? You can choose to make good choices. You can obey your parents. (laughs) You can live a disciplined life. You can choose to read the Bible. You guys can choose these things. It's your choice. It's your decision whether you're going to be a disciplined person, whether you're going to choose to live a life of tough love on yourself and allow God to show tough love for you and have it grow you and change you and mold you and shape you into a better person, into a better believer, into a better Christian, into a better example of who Christ is on this earth, right? It's up to us. It's my choice. It's John's choice each one of our choice. God loves you guys like crazy. Sometimes that love is tough. (laughs) But if he didn't give us that kind of love, it wouldn't be love. The love that he has for us, if he never showed us that kind of tough love when he needed to, I would argue that that wouldn't be any kind of love. That love wouldn't be powerful at all. But thank God he does, right? Thank God that he loves us enough to do the right thing, even when, even when it hurts his son, knowing that it's for our benefit. It's not for his. It's for your benefit. I need that tough love, and you guys do too. So that we can what? We can have a harvest of righteousness and peace, like that scripture says.
So let's pray. God, we, we thank you for your discipline. God, we, we want to learn to love that correction, learn to love that discipline in our life. Help us to develop our self-disciplined spirit. Help us to develop it, to, to grow it inside of us, Lord. I, I pray that we would uh, be people that would allow you to teach us, which is what discipline is. We just learned about that, that it's instruction and it's teaching. We want to be your students, God. We want to learn from you because you're the one that knows everything. You're, you're the one that has all the answers. God, you, the, the best life to have, you, you've got it all. Lord, I just pray that we would yield to that, that we would allow ourselves to be, to be shaped by it and grow in it. In Jesus' name. Amen.